Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Now, um, it's back to school season, and so um, are there any kids in here? Kids, how do you feel about back to school? <laughs> that was, I saw the most enthusiastic thumbs up ever a second ago. Yeah. Parents, are you excited about back to school? Yeah. Yeah, right. It's totally different once you have kids. Yeah. Um, well, I love back to school, not just because it's like, kids, go back get out of the house, go back to school. It's not, it's not that. Um, I love back to school because I'm a nerd and I like school supplies and shopping for school supplies and office supplies. I like that. Does anybody else like going to Office Depot because he just likes that stuff? Nerds unites my people. Yes, yes. And so um, one of my favorite things to get with back to school is not just school supplies and all, all sorts of other stuff. Uh, we don't do this necessarily every year, but the, the years when the kids need a new backpack and a new lunchbox, I love helping them pick that out. The first time I got to do that with my son, Cade, uh, we have two kids at school, two little kids who aren't in school yet. Uh, when we first did this with my son, Cade, uh, was when he was going to preschool and kindergarten, I can't remember, and he got this sweet Ninja Turtle backpack. <laughs> Look how little Cade is. Look at this. He turns 10 this year. Ah! And so here's his Ninja Turtle backpack, which I have deemed as officially the coolest backpack that has ever been made on God's green earth. That is not screen printed on. The front pouch is a padded turtle shell that he wears on his back as a backpack, thus making him an honorary Ninja Turtle. It's cool. You cannot tell me otherwise. It's awesome. <laughs> and that made me think of other backpacks for my kids that they have. So I brought some to show with you all today. It's show and tell with Pastor Trevor today. And so um, I put them in a box here. I promise I'm not always trying to bring Amazon boxes on stage at church, but here we are. So um, that's a boy backpack I showed you a little bit ago. So here's some of Tessa's backpacks. This is one of her first ones. So if we had a Ninja Turtle one, we have a Disney Princess Edition backpack. Ooh. And so we have Cinderella and Jasmine and Ariel and Belle on here. I'm not sure if I should be proud or ashamed that I know all the names of the princesses. <laughs> so we have this one here. Here's another uh, boy backpack that we have. Cade uh, went through a Pokemon phase. Are there any Pokemon fans here? Yeah, Pikachu ruled our house for a couple of years, so we have that. Uh, back to girl backpacks. Tessa, after she liked the Disney princesses, there's this thing called Disney Descendants, which is about the kids of the villains. So it's like Disney princesses. And then it's kind of like, ooh, now it's a Descendants backpack. So these are some of the Disney Descendants girls on here. So there's that. And then we are huge fans in our house of the famous YouTube channel, Dude Perfect. Are there any Dude Perfect fans in here? If you haven't watched it on YouTube, it's good, clean, awesome, fun. There are five dudes. It's not a Christian channel, but they're all Christians, and it is unbelievably entertaining, um, better than half of the stuff on Netflix for sure. And so we have a Do Perfect backpack in our house now too. So these are cool things here. Now, I also brought my own backpack that I want to show everybody here today. Now, um, this is mine. This is my backpack. Now, I know there's no cartoon characters on here. For sure, you thought I was going to have a Dwayne The Rock Johnson backpack. I know. 
I know, I know, I know, I don't, I don't. Let me put some of these down here. Um, this is my backpack. And some of you are like, but there's no characters on Trevor. For sure, we thought you were going to have something else on here. Well, listen, it is cool, black, sleek, and modern. Therefore, it's Batman's backpack. This is what we're going for the whole time. Does it come in black? Yes, it comes in black. Hello. Uh, so this is my favorite backpack here. And I got this about a year ago. There's wonderful padding on the back. There's lots of different zippers. This is almost like a YouTube tutorial of why you should buy this backpack. A little thing here for my AirPods, my laptop here. If I'm carrying a tablet, there's a thing here for that. There's all sorts of wonderful pockets here. I love this. I bought this backpack maybe a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, because I wanted something sleek or something that could hold a lot of the stuff. Uh, I'm in between a lot of our campuses for Community of Hope on any given day. I'm somewhere in Palm Beach County. And so I needed to be able to carry something around pretty easily with all the equipment and books and whatever else they have to do. Now, um, I also got a new backpack because the one that I had was significantly larger and heavier. I used to have a messenger bag, which is a type of bag that doesn't go over your back but carries on the side. And no, that is not a purse. It is not a man purse. <laughs> it was a messenger bag. It's different. And I saw somebody wearing a purse last night. I had a messenger bag. And, but my messenger bag was huge, and it was heavy, and I carried big books in it from seminary and, and all around me. I was like a pack rat with this massive backpack. If anybody ever picked it up, they're like, good grief, what do you have in here, bricks? My bag used to be so heavy, if I accidentally dropped it, it could have killed a small dog, okay? I don't know. Now, just for clarity's sake, um, I personally believe that any dog that is under 50 pounds classifies as a cat, and cats are, yep, and cats are, well, I'm not going to say because I don't want to hurt my cat friend's feelings anyway. Where's my cat people at? Where's cat people? Jesus loves you too, okay? Anyway. Um, so, but I, it was way too big and heavy, and I actually started to have back problems, and the doctor, the chiropractor, I was taking, I was going to go see this. Do you carry a really heavy, do you carry something really heavy on only one side of your body? No. <laughs> and um, they said, listen, if you don't want this back pain, and you're young now, but man, if you keep doing this when you're older, this is going to come back to bite you. You need to get a different type of bag. You need to quit caring so much. And so when I bought this, yeah, one, I deliberately bought something smaller. Um, not just it was over both shoulders. I deliberately bought it so I couldn't carry as much as I used to. And I made it a goal of mine literally to carry less, but also kind of like spiritually, emotionally. I made it a goal to carry less. Make sense? Today, I think... We're going to learn from God's word a message that he has for all of us here today, for everybody online, for everybody here in this room. Um, he wants to, to teach you to carry less in your pack. So we're in this series. It's the final week. We're calling Word of God Speak. And what we're doing is we're learning to hear the voice of God in the Bible. We believe, um, we have a really high view of scripture in our church. We believe that God inspired the Bible through human authors, that it's authoritative, that it teaches us everything we need to know about faith and salvation. We believe that. There are other churches who believe that too about the Bible, but when they talk about learning to hear God, they believe you hear God when you open the Bible, he's talking to you, and when you close it, he's done talking to you. We don't believe that. 
We believe in our church that God sent his Holy Spirit and that he wants to have an active friendship with you and that you can learn how to hear the voice of God even if your name is not Moses. Because Jesus has given the Holy Spirit to everyone who calls on his name. And everyone says, Jesus, I want to follow you. The Spirit is readily available to all. So, but we believe in our church, the best way where you can tune your spiritual ear to hear the voice of God is by engaging with the written voice of God. And as you learn to engage with the written voice of God, together with the Holy Spirit, reading this will tune your ear to hear his voice. And this is what we're trying to do in our lives and what we're trying to teach in this series. So uh, to get everybody on board with this, we have a Bible reading plan our church has been doing for well over a decade. And uh, we currently, we're calling it the Word of God Speak Bible Reading Plan. It's in the YouVersion Bible app. If you're not signed on yet, you can just scan this QR code. It'll take you to it. Um, You don't have to catch up. Just jump in today. Jump in. Join us on the reading plan. Um, You don't have to make up any work. It doesn't matter if this is the first time you're hearing this. We encourage you to jump in and begin reading with us. Now, beyond just the app, beyond the Community of Hope app, or people sign up on their own, over 400 of you guys have scanned this QR code to join the reading plan. Isn't that cool? Yeah, praise God for that. So join the reading plan with us today. We're on day 31 of it. Hit that, and then you can join in with us. Now, it's not just reading the Bible that is important, which that alone will change your life, but it's learning how to read it and then apply it to your life is how you learn how to hear the voice of God. So we teach a journaling method called SOAP, where uh, in a journal, we teach people to pick out of the chapter that you read, pick an idea or pick a verse that you're going to journal from. And don't summarize the whole thing, one idea or one verse, write what, you, uh, write what you observe, write an observation about what you notice in the passage. Then for A, for application, ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, how do you want to apply this to my life? What are you saying to me? And that's where you can hear God's voice. And then write a little prayer. This methodology for journaling works for everybody. Um, we're not dumbing anything down for people by telling you to journal here. Okay, this is not for... Um, how do I say this? This isn't like Christianity 101, but mature Christians do different things. This is not that I have a master's degree. I do this. Pastor Dale is a, has a doctoral degree. He does this. We just sent off Vic and Kathy Copan, who are wonderful team members and partners of our church for 18 years. Vic and Kathy, if you're watching, we miss you. Hi, we love you. Everyone say hi to Vic and Kathy. Yay. Vic and Kathy. Vic is a PhD in, or not, yeah, PhD in New Testament studies. Kathy has a master's degree herself. They do this every single day. So if, if people who have major biblical degrees do this, this isn't dumbed down. This is for all of us to do, and we can learn to hear God's voice together. So um, in this series, we've been forming our sermons off of this to kind of help you catch what we're trying to do. Some things can be taught. Some things have to be caught. We're trying to help you catch how to do this in this sermon series. Make sense? Great. So our reading for this week, if you're in the Bible reading plan, we read through the last couple chapters of 1 Peter, we read all of 2 Peter, and then we began the Gospel of John. Today, the teaching team chose to journal out of 1 Peter chapter 5. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and grab it, go ahead and open it up, or you can follow along in the Bible app, or you can follow along on the screen. 1 Peter chapter 5, and uh, what we're going to do today, instead of just reading what we journaled on, we're going to read the whole chapter as if we were practicing this on our own. And instead of uh, T 
teaching on a couple verses. I'm going to teach on one verse today as if I were journaling on it, okay? But first, let's read the whole chapter in context. First Peter chapter 5, it's only 14 verses. It says here, To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's suffering, who, will, who also will, be, will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing. As God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger submit to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves Therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be power forever and ever. Amen. With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I've written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends her her greetings, and so does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. So, Lord Jesus, we want to learn how to hear your voice. You are the living word of God, and we're reading the written word of God to learn to hear the voice of the word of God by the power of the Spirit right now. And so we pray uh, a prayer from the Bible as we engage the Bible. Would you open our eyes to see wonderful things today in your law? We ask this in your wonderful name, Lord. And everybody said, amen. Amen. All right, let's briefly talk about what we just read. We just read from 1 Peter. 1 Peter was written by the famous disciple of Jesus, the most famous disciple of his, Peter. Uh, his name, for those of you who knew to the Bible, wasn't always Peter. He wasn't born with that name. It was a nickname Jesus gave him. His original name was Simon. And halfway through Jesus' ministry, Peter was the first one to confess, you're the son of God and you're the Messiah. And so Jesus turned to Peter, or turned to Simon and said, Simon, you're no longer called Simon. From now on, I'm going to call you Peter. Which in the ancient language, uh, the word that Jesus used was Petros. Petros, which means rock. So this is how it actually went down in that day. Simon, you're no longer to be called Simon, but because you just said what you said about me, I now call you the rock. That's what Petros means, rock. So sorry, Dwayne, Peter had it first, right? (laughs) So really, we're reading from first the rock, chapter five. That's so cool. Anyway, um, um, I know, I know. I'm sorry I'm your pastor, but this is just what you got. You chose this. I'm sorry. So that's his name. 
Jesus' first days, uh, or excuse me, Peter's, Peter's first years, he was part of the explosion of the church of Jesus. who went from 12 to on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 were added to that number on the day the Holy Spirit was poured out in the church. The movement of Jesus was born. Fast forward several decades later, we get to first Peter. Peter's writing from Rome. And uh, the message of Peter, you could kind of catch it in the message, um, it was written to Christians living in Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey, and they're undergoing a lot of suffering and a lot of persecution for following Jesus. So if you um, are here today and you're struggling, if life is hard, especially as our culture uh, steps more and more away from um, a Christian worldview, Christian ethic, we live in a post-Christian society, um, if you are experiencing any kind of suffering because you are a follower of Jesus and you're looking more and more different than the world, First Peter is for you. And uh, his message is how to find hope in the midst of suffering. And so if you're suffering today, Jesus has a word for you through Peter. So that's what we read. Now, we're honing in on chapter 5, verse 7. Can we just show that one verse here, the whole thing? This is the verse that we journaled on from teaching team. This is our assignment today. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. We say when you pick a scripture, pick one verse or one idea that might be over a couple verses. This is the one verse that we're going to look at today. So that's scripture. Let's go to observation. So what do we observe about the passage? Observation. Let's go here. Let's just dissect this a little bit. Cast all your anxiety on him. So this first word here, cast, um, it means to uh, throw a weight far away. Now, some people in here, especially the guys in here, go, I know how to cast real good. Let me tell you, especially my fisherman. Where's my fisherman at? Yep. Now, is it true that this word means to cast, like you cast a lure, you cast your line to fish? Yes. But in a sense, it doesn't play the right way because lures aren't necessarily very heavy and you're trying to bring it back to you. You're trying to catch something. The meaning for this word is to get rid of something, to fling a weight far away. But the way this word was used in the ancient world wasn't literally throwing something heavy away. It was used metaphorically about transferring the weight of responsibility from something off of yourself to someone or something else. Make sense? Not a literal throw, but an emotional throw, which makes perfect sense because if this is about the weight of things and heavy things, it makes perfect sense that we're talking about anxiety today. Like, check this out in the Bible. In Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25, it says this, anxiety upweighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. If we're talking about transferring weights, the scripture is very clear. Anxiety weighs a lot. It's heavy. If you carry something heavy for too long, it will wear down your heart, your soul, your inner being. Gets heavy and hunched over if you carry anxiety too long. The human heart was never meant to carry worry or anxiety. You weren't designed for it. And scripture says a very clear man, anxiety weighs down the heart. So we have to learn how to cast it off, which makes sense. So let's go back to the passage. So cast all your anxiety on him. Anybody here struggle with anxiety? Right? My people. Some of you are like, I have knots in my stomach. I have a hard time raising my hand. I understand. Um, I struggle with anxiety. 
Um, a lot of people do. In fact, our culture is growing increasingly more and more anxious. We talked about this in depth last fall in our Deep Peace series. If you didn't catch any of it, you can go back and watch those messages on YouTube. Uh, we feel like they're really helpful for people in speaking to our culture today. Um, sociologists say that um, every generation in America is becoming increasingly more anxious, from boomers to Gen X to millennials to, or, uh, to Gen Y to now Gen Z. The anxiety is only ratcheting up more and more and more. The pandemic didn't help it. Uh, Xanax prescriptions doubled in 2020 alone. And uh, we don't necessarily know all the reasons definitively why people are becoming more anxious, but we know some of them living on screens, being uh, an internet-based world, um, world news, where uh, it used to be growing up in the 60s, 70s, or 80s, uh, you would watch the news at night and you'd hear about the three or four worst things happening in the world. Now you can live stream all the worst things in the world happening on the other side of the planet as they're happening right online. So we know more about the brokenness and destruction of the world. And I think our world, honestly, I don't think we just know more. I think it's actually getting darker. Anybody else feel that way? Yeah. Um, I remember one of my kids, when they first started going to elementary school, and they had to have a code red drill. And they told me that their hiding place, for just in case of a bad person came to their campus, was under the kitchen sink in their room. I didn't have to do that as a kid in kindergarten, did you? No, it's getting darker. Why are we more anxious? Well, gee, I wonder why. Because there's more to be afraid of. And so... Anxiety really is just a simple definition of anxiety. It's fear about the future. Fear about the future. Now, there's a certain level of being um, prepared for future things and being prepared in case something happens, like having a rainy day fund, planning for things. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's a hypervigilance and over um, anticipation of bad things happening in the future that leads to wisdom and to anxiety. It's fear run amok about the future, about your relationships, about your circumstances, about your finances, about your health. It's what if on steroids. That's what anxiety does. And so Peter says, transfer the weight of your anxiety, not just some of it, all of it. And not in one huge lump sum, just go back to all real quick, not just the lump sum of all your anxiety, but each kind of anxiety, every kind of anxiety, all of your anxiety. And what do we do with it? We cast it on him. Everyone say, on him. On him. him. This is revolutionary. This idea will change your life if you grasp on him. Here's what I mean by that. I saw a skit on TV several years ago. It was really funny. Um, I'm not as funny as the skit, but just to rehash it with you guys to understand where I'm coming from, a woman walks into the counselor's office for her first appointment with him. He says, go ahead, I'm Dr. So-and-so. Why don't you go ahead and grab a seat? And he said, why don't you begin? Why don't you tell me the presenting issue that brings you to my office today? And she says, well, um, it's good to be here. Um, I, I have a terrible fear of being buried alive in a box. And it's messing my life up. And he said, being buried alive in a box? He said, yeah, I'm very afraid of being buried alive in a box. Well, has anybody ever tried to bury you alive in a box? no. No, no one's ever tried to do that. Um, no one's ever tried to bury me alive in a box. I'm just, just the thought of it makes me break out in cold sweats and makes me nervous, makes me afraid. And it makes my life hard in many different ways. Like I'm nervous getting in my car and driving. I can't go in elevators. I definitely can't go in the subway. I just can't get it 
out of my head and I need your help. And so the counselor looked at her and said, so what you're saying is you're claustrophobic. You're afraid of closed spaces. And she went, well, I, 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 I guess I suppose. So that makes, that makes sense. Sure. Yeah, I, I guess so. Um, can you help me? He's like, yeah, I can totally help you. I want you to take out a piece of paper, okay, and take out a pen. And I want you to write down two words that are going to revolutionize your life. That it's backed by a research across many decades. And these two words will really, really help you. If you learn to apply them, not only in here and as soon as you walk on out, your life will be better. Are you ready to hear them? She said, yes, I'm fully ready, doctor. Go ahead, lay it on me. Um, what, what, do I, what, what are these two words? What's the message I need to know? He says, okay, here it is. Ready? Ready. Stop it. <laughs> I'm sorry, what'd you say? I said, stop it. Quit being a big baby. I, I don't understand. What do you not understand? S-T-O-P, new word, I-T. Stop it. <laughs> and it's funny when you think about it because if you have ever struggled with anxiety, can you just stop it? No, you can't. In fact, when anybody's ever told me in the past when I've been anxious about or worried or nervous about something, and they go, well, just stop. That makes me more nervous because I'm trying to stop, but I can't. And then it just makes it a worse cycle. It makes it worse. And so scripture doesn't say, stop it. Scripture really says the way you stop anxiety is to just transfer the weight of it to someone else. It's not to stop worrying. It's to let somebody else worry for you. Now, here's the real kicker. Well, let me, before I get there. This is one of the things that Jesus offers to us as followers of him, is that he offers a way out of fear and anxiety that cripples people. In fact, he's called the Prince of Peace. There's a book I want to share with you here today. It's called Pilgrim's Progress. It's originally written by John Bunyan. This book here I want to sh- I'm showing you here is retold by a different guy. Um, this is the first novel ever written in English. It was written in the late 1600s, and it has never been out of print. It's a fantastic Christian classic. Um, The story of Pilgrim's Progress, and it's been modernized here with a modern painting and artwork that's just beautiful. This is the main character. His name's Christian. And we find him at the beginning of the story with this unbelievable burden on his back that's literally killing him. He can hardly stand anymore. It's getting heavier by the hour. It's crushing him, and he can't take it off, no matter how hard he tries, and no one can help him. And he eventually finds hope that there may be a person or place that can help set him free from his burden that makes it hard to breathe, makes it hard to stand, makes it hard to work, hard to sleep, hard to live. And eventually, it comes to this point in the story here, when he comes to the bottom of a steep hill, where dark tomb gaped open on one side. He began to climb the hill, but it grew steeper and steeper, so that as soon as he was cr- so soon he was crawling. With perhaps the last of his strength, he reached the top and looked up, and there stood before him a cross. The sun, now fully up, shining splendidly on its dark wood. And all of a sudden, at the foot of this cross, the straps of the burden loosed, The knots unraveled, the pack shifted weight, and then it rolled off. It fell to the ground and crashed down the hill, rolling faster and faster until it tumbled into the mouth 
of the open tomb, and Christian never saw it again. Now, this whole story is a wonderful allegory for the Christian journey. And this is an allegory for the weight and burden of sin in our lives, but it also, I believe, applies not only to the sin we've committed, but the things that sin has done to us, like make us anxious and afraid. And Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. And at the foot of his cross, he offers a way out for people to have their burdens taken off of their backs and set free from the weight of worry. This is the promise that he has for you and for me. Now, so Peter says, cast all your anxiety on him, on Jesus, the Prince of Peace. And then he goes on to, because... This phrase here, which is surprisingly beautiful, because he cares for you. Now, what type of care does Jesus have for this? Is this like a heart hug emoji on Facebook? I care about you. Or is it something deeper? In the Bible reading plan that we have, we have a version that goes through chapter of the New Testament. We have a longer version that does the New Testament but also adds in Old Testament if people want to read a little bit more. And on the same day we read 1 Peter 5, this is what we read in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 46, this is the Lord speaking. He says, listen to me, you descendants of Jacob, all the remnant of the people of Israel, you whom I have upheld since your birth and have carried you since you were born. Even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and rescue you. The image of God that he's presenting here is of a loving father caring for a baby that's his and saying to this child, even to when you are old and gray, I'm never going to stop carrying you. Anybody tells you that the God of the Old Testament is mean and unloving has never read the Old Testament. It made me think of um, a book my mom read me all the time growing up. Anybody ever read Love You Forever? It's a tearjerker as a grown-up. <laughs> uh, we have a special bond over this because this baby looks like me when I was a little kid. It's so my mom read it to me all the time. It's the story of a mother who loves her son and would hold and sing to her baby. And she would sing a song over them that goes like this. I will love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby you'll be. And she sings it over her baby, and then over her little boy, and then over her teenage boy, and then even her grown man who has a family of his own. I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby you'll be. And this is what the Lord, the Father, even if your earthly father was not great, Your heavenly father is what he should have been. And he says over you, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living and I'm everlasting and have defeated the grave, my baby, you'll be. Even to when you're old and gray. And if that weren't enough, Isaiah keeps going from the scripture readings from that same day. In Isaiah 49, He says, here, can a mother forget the baby at her breast 
and have no compassion on the child she has born. So it's not just loving, tender care of fathers, but loving, tender care of mothers. Though she may forget, and though your earthly mother may have messed up, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. What an incredible image that God is here to say, I care about you so much. I've engraved your names on the palms of my hand. I'll never forget you. And when I told my wife this in our kitchen this week about this journal I had in the loving, tender care of God, and I told her about this first. She said, Trevor, don't you see it? I said, see what, Leah? She said, that's what Jesus did for us. And in the palms of his hands are the scars where the nails went on the cross. And it's like he's engraved your name and my name forever on his wounded hands in heaven as his tattoo of love for you. So do all these things because God cares for you. Here's the final observation that we had from today, that the power behind God's way out of anxiety is more than just a method. And we'll get to method in just one second, but it's way more than a method. The power behind God setting you free from what makes you anxious and afraid is the belief that he really, really, really cares about you. That's half the battle. If you want to quit to learn, or you want to learn to not be anxious, you want to have more peace in your life, half the battle is believing. God loves me, God cares about me, and God wants to be involved in the details of my life. That's half the battle. So that's our observation. Well, how do we apply this to our life? What's the application here? I think it's simple. I think Jesus has an invitation for you today to come and unpack your backpack at the foot of the cross. And one by one, give him everything you're anxious about. Not general prayers like, help me not be anxious, but very specific things, one by one, putting them at the foot of the cross and praying this prayer here. I'm going to put it on the screen. If you learn to pray this prayer, it will change your life. God, I believe you care about me. Oh, the power is just in that first phrase. God, I believe you care about me. So I give you my anxiety around, and then you fill in the blank, and you pray that prayer as many times as you need until your backpack is empty. It's the weight is off your shoulders, and the peace of Christ rules in your heart. Amen? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. We're going to invite the band on up. We're going to open up the stairs here. And I'm going to invite people, if you need to come unpack your backpack at the foot of the cross of Jesus, you can do it in your seats, you can do it at home, grab a journal, or you can come to the front here and one by one give Jesus everything you are anxious about. Cast it on him. His shoulders are stronger than yours. Give it to Jesus. He loves you and wants you to give it to him. Let's pray. So Lord, we thank you that you're the Prince of Peace. We thank you that you have invited us to cast all our anxiety on you because you love us and you don't want us to carry it anymore. Lord, we, I just feel like I hear the prompting of the Holy Spirit in my heart for everybody here and online 
It's like Jesus is inviting you, like, quit carrying it. Give it to me. Not a moment longer. Come give it to me. Lord, we hear you. Help us to cast every anxiety on you. In your name we pray and all God's people said. Some of you, before you leave, need to come and lay the things you're carrying at the foot of the cross of Jesus. We have prayer teams available on either side of the room. Don't leave here before, uh, not for everybody, obviously, but some of you know you need more prayer and you know you need someone's help to take what's in your backpack and the things are weighing down your heart. You need to pray about it with somebody else. We have teams here who'd love to pray with you about any of those things. No matter how small they may seem or maybe they're really huge boulders, come pray about it with somebody before you go. Amen. Now, would you prepare your heart to receive this? This comes from Philippians 4, verse 7. I'm just going to pray this over you as we leave this place. May the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, may it guard your heart and may it guard your mind now in Christ Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Friends, go in God's peace. We'll see you next week.